Well, let's take a deep dive this morning to his word. And uh, let me cover something. And I've been on a lot of pastoral posts trying to help other brothers that are behind me. I'm 20 plus years in the ministry now, so I'm getting old. And I'm one of the older pastors now. I'm getting, I'm not the oldest pastors, right? But I'm getting on the backside of the seasonal. I've got a little salt, I guess, as we would say in the Navy. I know salty today means you're all tore out of shape, but salty to us in the military in the Navy means you've got experience. So if somebody's an old salt, they've been around, they know how to do some stuff. And so I'm getting on the backside. I'm trying to encourage young pastors because we need young pastors like never before that believe the word of God. And these men today are trying to become, they're asking questions. Do we please people in the culture or do we stick to the word of God? Some people straddle. They want to stay between the culture and the word of God. If it offends you, I don't want to say it. And that's the wrong place to be because that's getting shot with friendly fire, if you know what I mean. And there's people who are opposed to the word of God, yet they stand and every Sunday and actually say that they're preaching the word of God. There's people in town here that, that we have strong disagreements with, pastors my age and younger and older, that we totally disagree doctrinally on what the Word of God says about salvation. I'm fully convinced that the Bible says that no man, woman, boy, or girl can come to the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation unless he draws them to himself. That's what God says. No man comes to the Lord unless the Lord draws him. And no one can be drawn to the Lord except through the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You must preach the Word of God to actually or share the Word of God for the gospel to be received. And the Holy Spirit has to draw that person to himself for them to be saved. There's a lot of mechanisms that are happening, but God does it all. It's God's plan. You're God's creation, and he draws his creation, his creatures, to himself as a child of God. Now, with that said this morning, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us that are saved. Now, if you're not saved, you don't belong to the family of God. You don't belong to Town Creek. You might be a member of Town Creek, but you don't belong to Town Creek, the body. Because we're just one body of Christ right here meeting at 250 Town Creek Road. We're a family of God. We used to sing when we were kids, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And we would talk about all the different things about being part of a family. Now, you're our friends, right? You're our friends. We, we, if you see on Facebook posts, we say uh, faith, family, and friends. We mean that we know there's people that are coming to our church and they're coming, they're watching live or live streaming that don't belong to Jesus Christ. They're curious. But I want to tell you, we'll never have a church that just draws people in for the crowd. The singing always, listen, we're not going to produce. We're not going to cut the lights out intentionally. We're not going to actually do drama to actually force people to come and actually make a decision. It is always an invitation. It's just like a party. You can come if you want, if the Holy Spirit draws you. Do you understand how that works? After every service on Sunday morning, we give an invitation. You want to come and give your life to Jesus Christ? You want to come and pray? And that's motivated by the Holy Spirit. I was sitting in the back of a church, didn't know anyone in the church, and the Holy Spirit told me today's the day of salvation. He moved me forward because I was holding on like handles till my knuckles turned white. And I responded at a church at Battlefield Boulevard called Emmanuel Baptist Church on a Sunday morning, not knowing one person in that church. And I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Reluctantly. I, I mean, he was calling me and I was saying, no, I'm dragging feet. But he saved me. And I know that I'm saved. I've been saved ever since. Have I had days of wishy-washiness? Yeah, when I was a young Christian, which way do you turn? But here's what I want to encourage you today. You're part of the family of God if you're a Christian today. 
I can go to any church that actually is preaching, teaching the Word of God, and they're truly the church of God. There are Christians there. You can go there, and you can actually not even understand the language, but have a worship experience. It's happened to me all over the world as I've traveled. We've had experiences in Spanish-speaking churches, in Chinese-speaking cultures. We, we've had it German, you name it. We've, we've been into a church and felt the presence of the Lord, didn't understand a word they were saying, had to have an interpreter whisper in our ear. Arab-speaking churches, right? We've been, we've, some of you have been with me. And yet we're the family of God. That, that makes a difference. The Holy Spirit ties us together. If we're wealthy or poor, or in somewhere in between, the Holy Spirit of God, our Holy Spirit of God, ties us together. Now, let me address something before we preach today that I want you to see that I'm very concerned about. Heart disease. It's killing 659,041 people a year, according to CDC stats. Does that bother anybody? Anybody eat barbecue the last month? Raise your hand. Any pork products, bacon, anything? Raise your hand. Shame on you. Anybody not a member of a gym, raise your hand. Shame on you. All right, listen, heart disease is something. Is it serious? Do we understand it happens? Does anybody know anybody that's died of heart disease? Raise your hand. Or has heart attacks or you name it. We know it's real, right? So what precautions do we take? Sometimes we change because we get scared. Sometimes we don't. If it happens close to us, we get really scared and say, I got to change the way I eat, the way I think, the way, the way I drink, whatever I do. I got to exercise more. I've got to lose weight. Don't we go through this process? It's the number one killer in America. And yet we ate barbecue this past month, or bacon, or sausage, or of the like. The number two killer is cancer. Anybody know anybody with cancer? Anybody had cancer? It's happened in our family, right? It's, it's right next door to us. Every time we have children, that daddy and that mama pass on their junk to that child. It's real. It brings me to the day, listen, I'm, there's other lists. There's accidents and unintentional injuries, 173,000. Chronic respiratory diseases, stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, and I go down the list. Y'all you know where I'm going, COVID. Is it real? The answer is yes, it's real. Is it at a door near us? Yes, it is. It could be, look, there could be 10 people in this room right now with it. Does that scare you? Don't be afraid. The Lord knew your birth date, and he knows your death date. Well, we're going to put up signs this morning. Uh, I, was, I was talking to somebody earlier. I won't say who it was because they're professional. Uh, but we were joking and said, we're going to make this the vaccinated. If you got the double shots, you get set here. If you got a single shot, you sit here. If you've had no shots, you sit here. If you got the booster, you sit here. That's the third shot. And if you're a conspiracy theorist, you sit here. All right? But on top of that, if you wear a mask, you have to sit in the choir. If you don't wear a mask, you got to sit around front. The thing is, y'all, we need to take every precaution possible that you believe. Listen, you can read the science like I do, and, and the scientists are saying, we don't know. How long does your vaccination last? Do you know? Have you read any research? Yale's latest research says it lasts three months. Three months. Then you need, that's why the boosters come in. How many boosters are you going to get? Flu season's about to be upon us. How will you know if you have the flu versus COVID? And the answer is, listen, if you're not tested, you won't know. Many of you saw that Wendy and I were sick. I was out a few weeks. We had COVID. We had the worst kind. We went through the dredges of living through that mess. It took almost four weeks to get over it. It was awful. So it's real, and I know it's real. 
But there's people that are unvaccinated getting it. There are people that are vaccinated and getting it. There are people that are dying with vaccination in their bloodstream with COVID. So why do I read the heart disease? Why do I read these different things? Even the mask, y'all. What do you do with a reusable mask if you're not using it? And none of us are doing it. Even those of you that wear masks, listen, there is no shame in the game of wearing a mask. I wear it out when I go to the hospital. I wear it when I go to places. If I go to a doctor's appointment. But y'all, I'm terrible because I will do this. What's in my pocket? My dirty hands have been in my pocket. I've got gum, lint, old church mints are in my pocket. And I'll pull it back out and I might cough. <coughs> if I cough into my mask, what did I just put into my mask? Germs and bacteria. When I put it on and set it out overnight and I put it back on, what am I breathing tomorrow? Most people wearing a reusable mask, my doctor's mask looked like a piece of garbage on his face. It looked like this. I said, that is not a new mask. It was used, I mean, it was from World War II. It was nothing healthy. It didn't, it screamed unhealthy. Take care of yourself if you have to wear a mask. Take care if you have underlying diseases. Take care of yourself. If you wear a mask, God bless you, but listen, wear it right and throw them away. But here's what I want to tell you about throwaways, and I'll finish with this because I'm not wearing that one today because it's dirty. Where did this disease come from? Come on, we know where it came from. China. Who makes almost all of our masks? China and India. And who controls 80% or more of pharmaceuticals? China. Y'all, listen, I'm not a yes, I am a conspiracy theorist. I was a naval intelligence. I saw a bunch of stinking stuff I shouldn't have saw as a 19-year-old boy and as, as I got in my 20s. People are greedy for money. Amen? So as we look at the Word of God, I want you to see, listen, look at your brother and sister around. Look across the way, your brother and sisters. Don't let CNN tell you what to think about your brother and sisters. Don't let Fox News tell you what to think about your brothers and sisters. Don't let the CDC, a bunch of unbelievers who don't know what they're doing necessarily with this disease because no one knows as much about it, tell you what to do with your brothers and sisters. I'm telling you as your pastor, encourage you as your pastor, take care of yourself. If it's a mask you wear, wear it right and take care of yourself. If it's a mask you don't wear, listen, that's your choice. That's the good news of being an American. We have choices. But don't divide yourself over some silly disease, it might kill you. I could have died last month, and some people would celebrate. Hey, we get a new pastor, right? But the bottom line is, here's the news. We trust God for everything. And a lot of pastors are saying, don't use the pulpit to talk about that. I think God, listen, did John the Baptist talk about, we're getting into John the Baptist, did he talk about what was happening in his culture? When the Pharisees and Sadducees came, he said, you brood of vipers, who told you to come and repent of your sins? He called out the cultural wrongs, so did the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see next week or two, he tears up the temple. That's his temple. And he, he eliminates what's happening in the temple because people are sinning against God. They're dividing over religion. They're dividing over money. They're dividing over cultural norms. Brothers and sisters, let me just challenge you today. Don't divide over this silly disease. It's awful. It's deadly. We all, listen, it's all just out there until it happens to us, right? It's all out there to somebody we know that dies. If you work in the medical field, don't give up. Because you answered that call to the medical field before COVID. And COVID will pass. 
or it'll get, keep getting COVID 20s and 21s and 2s and 3s, I don't know, whatever variant there's going to be. But can I challenge you to be a brother and sister in Christ? Do your job as unto the Lord, those of you that are in the medical field, those of you that are teachers that are afraid of those students coming, do your job as unto the Lord. Those of you that are parents and you're afraid of the next parent beside you, do your job, worship the Lord as unto the Lord. Can I get amen? amen? You have to make a decision. Don't let this divide us as a church. Don't let this divide you as a family. That's my second week talking about it. I'm not going to talk about it again. But if you have a question where I stand, you're welcome to talk to me one-on-one. -on -one. Let me get into the word. I'll be briefer this morning. John chapter 1, because this is where Jesus calls his first disciples. Take your notes and let's go to John chapter 1, let's do it together. John 1, I'm going to pick up in verse 35 where we left off last week. John the Baptist has already seen Jesus. He's already called him the Lamb of God and he has baptized him. And I'll show you what Matthew 3, we're going to go to Matthew 3, verse 13. I want to show you that in just a moment. But I want to read the headlines of your, of your notes. John was back at his post fulfilling the job called him to do, that God called him to do. What did God call John the Baptist to do? What did he do? We, we preached this last week if you were here. To preach the coming of the Messiah and to baptize people for the what? Remissions of their sins. Come to the place of saying, listen, I am a sinner. I want to change my way because I've been living against the way God says to live. And people, the multitudes came to John and John said, listen, I baptize you with what? Water. But there's one coming that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit of God. So he made it clear, I am not the Christ, I am not Elijah, I am not the prophet, I am just a voice shouting in the wilderness, listen, he's coming. I'm the forerunner before he gets here, he's coming. And then, of course, John recognizes him, and not because John recognized him, it's the same thing as we talk about salvation. The Holy Spirit gave John the ability to see with spiritual eyes and to recognize Jesus as the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for sin. He was God's Passover lamb. We'll see this in the book of John. I want to go to the Word of God now, to verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood, and he was at his post doing what he was doing. He was baptizing. And, y'all, he baptized, and I'm sure his disciples were helping, but John baptized one at a time. Baptism, every baptism recorded in the Bible is a baptism by immersion. The word baptism, baptizo, is the original word. It was transliterated. It just came right across from the Greek, right into the English. It means to go under. If your ship in the day, back in the day when they had wooden ships, was baptized, it didn't come back because it went under. So baptizo, bab baptism, and the reason you couldn't translate the word baptizo was because King James ordered the Bible to be translated, and he wasn't baptized. He was sprinkled by his denomination. I won't talk about this morning. He was sprinkled. So therefore, the interpreters, if they had interpreted that baptism was by immersion, the king is violating the word of God. So instead of translating the word, they transliterated the word and just brought it straight over. And that's where we get the word baptism today. And we say John the baptizer, the one who baptized by immersion. He baptized in the Jordan River. You say, what does that even mean? It means that when we're saved, Jesus said, go make disciples. That's salvation. Amen? That's required to get to heaven. Then he said to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when you do those things, you're being obedient to Christ. That's an obedience factor to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that gave that command. Some churches get hung up with Paul said, be baptized in the name of Jesus. And they go, oh, you can't be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because they don't believe the Bible. 
They don't believe there's a Trinitarian God who he's three in one. They, they say, be baptized in the name of Jesus. And we don't talk about the spirit unless he's moving. We don't talk about the father unless we're talking about creator or we're separating them out. Y'all, we serve one God who manifests himself in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if you're baptized in the name of Jesus, and I just saw, we talked about this a few months back, one of the Catholic priests was baptizing in the name of Jesus, uh, a lot of Catholic parishioners, and then he found out he was never saved, and he had to get saved, and everybody that was baptized by him, they went back and said, you're not actually saved because you're, he baptized you in the wrong name. You've got to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Do you all think God's up in heaven keeping score like that? He said to do it his way, and guess what we do? If we do it his way, what do we get? His results. But it doesn't change your salvation if a preacher puts you under a creek, in a swimming pool, a pond, a baptismal pool. If you went under, listen, you were biblically baptized. You say, what about me? I was sprinkled as a child. Well, the Catholics will sprinkle you so that you can actually have your sins taken away. And no man can take your sins away. Did y'all know that? Walmart can't buy your sins right? There's nobody who can take away except the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I was baptized as an infant. You need to check yourself and see if you're saved. You must be drawn to the Holy Spirit. Look, the Holy Spirit will draw you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, yes, that's true about Jesus. You must receive him as your Lord and Savior. He gives you his righteousness sin. And then you follow through with believer's baptism saying, I believe that Jesus died on the cross that he was buried, and three days later he rose again. Your baptism shows a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's of a, it's a what he did, but it's also a promise of what's going to happen to you. When I die, guess what's going to happen? To be absent from this old body is to be where? Present with the Lord. I'll have a resurrection body. And then when the Lord Jesus comes, he says, the dead in Christ shall rise how? First, and those who are us that remain alive, those saints that remain alive, shall join together with them forevermore. That's worth shouting about, isn't it? So salvation is primary. That's your ticket to heaven. Baptism is being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody would say, well, does it really matter? During COVID, I saw a picture of a Catholic priest shooting a baby with a water gun because he didn't want to get within six feet of the, of the family. That is not baptism. In Augusta, there's a church that, that when the city cleans out their, the, the, the uh, we spigots of the, uh, the fire hydrants, they turn those on and everybody runs through the water and they call that baptism, multi-person baptism. It happens in Augusta, Georgia. So it's right next door to us. There's crazy things that are happening in the name of Jesus. Jesus, listen, he's God. And in his house, he does things in order. Sometimes it's loudly in order. Sometimes it's quietly in order. But it's always in order because he's a God of order. So let's look and see what he says in his word. John's doing what he was supposed to be doing. He's baptizing, saying, listen, I'm going to tell you a story. As a matter of fact, go to Matthew 3. Let's look at this because it ties right in together. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Let's pick up there. Matthew 3, 13. When you're there, say amen. I didn't give this to them because I wanted you to, oh, they got it. How'd y'all get that? Oh, that's verse, that's John. All right. I didn't give it to them so y'all would have to turn in your Bibles to it because I want you to mark it. Matthew 3, 13. Then Jesus came from where? He's coming in from Galilee. To John. That matters because we're going to see that's where he meets Philip on the way going back to Galilee. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. And are you coming to me? 
But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness that he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately. How? He came up. If he came up, guess where he went? Down. He came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I want you to look carefully. If you, don't, if you were ever in a teaching church or church that taught you there's no such thing as the Trinity of God, what do you see in this picture? Who's in the water? Jesus the Son. Who lights upon him as a dove? John bears witness. I saw it, he said. The Holy Spirit of God. Who speaks from heaven? God the Father. So you have God the Son in the water. You have God the Holy Spirit lighting upon him like a dove. And you have God the Father speaking in an audible voice saying, This is my beloved Son. Keep in mind, when Jesus walked the earth, God always spoke to his Son. He always spoke to him. Because they had a love relationship, they were one. But I want you to understand this today. God speaks through his Son now. He don't speak to his Son because they're one, right? He speaks through his son today. And when you hear us preach that you must be born again, when you hear you must become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, those are the words of God through Jesus Christ that Jesus spoke saying, go make disciples, baptize them, teach them. And remember, I'm with you always till the end of the age. Those are things we have to remember as we go back to the book of John. So we see that snapshot. Matthew tells us a little more. Now back to what's happening with John. 30, verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with them him that day and that was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon's Peter, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah, or your Bible might say, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go back to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Small city. Do you think Andrew, Peter, and Philip knew each other? Had to, all right? And they knew this Jesus as well. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was a good sarcastic joke, right? Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael takes that as a compliment. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Meaning, I have no deceit, right? I'm living by the law. I'm doing what God tells me to do. He feels confident. Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Is that our appropriate response? 100%. And Jesus answered said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son 
of man. This is good stuff for us today as we look in the Word of God. We see people that actually have some unbelief. We see people that have a little bit of sarcasm. We see people who are immediately responding to the Lord Jesus Christ. How about you? How about me? We're all in different categories, aren't we, in life? We're professionals. We've spent our life trying to build wealth, we, our health, whatever it is that we've been after. We've been working so hard. We've traveled here. We've traveled there. We've done this. We've done that. And now we're confronted with the realities of life. Hey, we're getting older, and what do we do with all the stuff we've accumulated? What do we do with this education? What do we do with this wealth? Is it all worth living for? What is the purpose of life? Everybody goes to these questions constantly, and I think Nathaniel was having those thoughts. We'll talk about him in just a moment. But he's pondering life. And when, that's when, he's, when Jesus put his finger on, I saw you under the fig tree, that could have been the same day that Philip came. Or it could have been days that he's been thinking about, what's the meaning of life? Have you ever had those thoughts? Anybody ever sit, you ever had just time where you just sit quietly on the beach or someplace secluded or some, even in a loud area and say, what is life all about? What am I doing with my life? What is, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why do I have this family? What, what, what is my responsibility? We ask those questions because every human has a God-sized hole in their heart that God puts that he wants to fill. He won't force you to come to Jesus Christ, but he's asking you to come. Let me go back to the notes and look at this. John, what did John do? John the Baptist, he introduced, that's what he did. John introduced two of his disciples to Jesus as the Lamb of God. Not just those two disciples, but the whole multitude. He, they heard him preaching. He was a loud preacher because he's out by the water preaching Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Next day, behold, the Lamb of God. Do you think he meant what he said? He said, I'm not even worthy to actually latch his sandals. John the Baptist was saying, Jesus is so much more greater than me. When Jesus told John to baptize him in Matthew 3, I put this down. He reluctantly but obediently baptized Jesus. He didn't want to do it. He's like, I'm not worthy to even be in your presence, and yet you're going to ask me to be baptized of you, and why did Jesus get baptized anyway? Some people ask that question. It's because, listen, Jesus wanted to associate with all the sinners that were being saved, right, or being baptized. He was showing them that, listen, coming soon, there's going to be a death, a burial, and what? His resurrection. His resurrection. He was actually it's a picture of the cross, but he did it to identify with the people as well. When they saw Jesus, they were like, wait a minute, is he a sinner? And the answer is, they didn't know 100% of this time. They knew him as the son of whom? This is Joseph's boy. How can he be the Messiah? But remember, I told you a long time ago, I think a year ago, we were talking about every mother was looking and hoping that their son was going to be the Messiah because it was prophesied he was coming. Isaiah 53 said he's coming. He's going to bear all this pain and shame. He's coming, but he's got to come through the lineage of King David. So it had to be somebody that was in the lineage to actually be the Messiah or the Christ. Even, this is what Philip says, hey, come see this Messiah, Jesus, Joseph's boy from Nazareth. They knew him. They knew of him, right? And I told you, Jesus was John the Baptist's first cousin. All right, look in your notes. John's two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus right away. <coughs> Have you ever wondered who the other disciple was? So it's Andrew, we know, is one of the disciples. Who's the other guy? He's not mentioned. Most scholars believe it's John, because even the book of John, John the Apostle, not John the Baptist, John the Apostle who wrote this text, 
he speaks of himself almost in third-party language. The apostle Jesus loves. He never mentions himself. As a matter of fact, there's nothing that tells us that John wrote the book of John. So how do we get that John wrote about it? If you get this a little bit of history research we have to do, but we can find out that actually it comes back to John. John always talked about the apostle who ran faster than Peter to the tomb, right? John does a little bragging every once in a while. And then when he gets to Revelation, he says, I, John, he speaks clearly, right? Because he's revealing what Jesus said. Here, John's experiencing these things, so he writes almost in a third party about that disciple, the other disciple that's not named. John's two disciples, they heard him. Now, they were following John the Baptist. And then when they heard him speak about, behold, the Lamb of God, behold, the Lamb of God, they too, if you have any kind of intellect at all, even if you're not drawn by the Holy Spirit, what would you do? He's the Messiah who's going to save us from Rome, who's going to get us out from under all this burden. I'm going after him. If you're just a messenger and he's the message, I'm going after the main king of kings. Aren't you going after him? If you've got any kind of sense to you at all today, that's what you would be saying to yourself. If this is true that Jesus Christ is the only way, and he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me or by me. If that's true, shouldn't you be the trail to Jesus Christ? Is there not anything inside of your heart that says, I'm not saved, I'm not going to heaven, I must be saved, so therefore I want to come to Jesus Christ? Even intellectually, you should be taking a step towards Christ, but spiritually you can't come to him until when? Until he draws you to himself. Back to your notes. Jesus asked the two, and this is today's sermon title, what are you looking for? Or, in New King James, what do you seek? They wanted to know where Jesus was staying so they could go there. They were seeking Christ first. And a matter of fact, Jesus later would teach, seek ye first the kingdom of God, that's Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the stuff that you have need of, that you have need of, shall be added to you. Do you believe that today? Has anybody in the room ever worried about your food, what you're going to eat next week at any time? When you're munching on ramen in the military or college, anybody? Even today, when divorce happens, when something bad happens, tragedy happens, food is always a staple that we, we have to live on, Right? We've had those things where our whole lives have been upside down. If we told our story, people would be shocked because we look around. Everybody looks so normal, so successful. But if you tell your story, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of troubled times in our lives. And some of us did some of the hard time without Christ. And we paid for it ourselves, didn't we? There's scars and there's, there's bumps and bruises. We can show you in the stories to tell. This is how it was without Jesus. But then we come back, and when Jesus saves us, we say, listen, it was terrible. But the Lord seen me through. You ever been there? Is that your testimony? He carried me through. Through my sickness, he carried me through. Through my financial woes, he carried me through. Those tough times in my marriage, he carried me through. When my kids were sick, he carried me through. He always met our need because he's good. That's all we can say about it. He's good. Is he creator? Yes. I ain't worried about creation, my creator. I'm not worried about all those deep doctrinal things. I'm just thinking about God is good. Right? Didn't we teach our kids when they were little? Did you, teach, did you learn a blessing when you were little? Did you sing a song? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food and good don't even rhyme, and we teach it to our kids, and they remember it. He's good. Let's say, say it out loud. God is good as loud as you can. Do it again. God is, good. God is good. Doesn't that feel good just to say that? 
And then you can stand up. Matter of fact, somebody give a testimony this morning about how God is good to you. What has he done for you, with you, back in the day, around the way, or today? Somebody share. Because I've shared with you, he carried me and Wendy through a dark period. We were reading Psalm 23, believing we're headed through the valley of the shadow of death, right? He carried us through. I can bear witness that God is good. You, Wendy, God is good, amen? He's seen us through. Anybody else want to give a testimony? How good is God in your life? What's he doing? Come on, somebody. Give him, Martin, stand up and give a testimony. I won't give you a microphone because I won't put everybody on the spot, but just say it out loud so we all can hear and hear. And he carried you through Vietnam, right? God is good. Amen? Well, you can give him a hand clap of praise. It's all right. Listen, we can make some noise for somebody else. Mike, stand up and give it loud. That's exactly right. Amen. We're praying for the church in Afghanistan, right? They're being persecuted. We know the persecution's coming. We're praying for all the different things that are happening in the world in Haiti. We're praying for those things. We haven't forgotten those things. Pray for the church. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ that we want to meet a need. We can't get there or be there right now, but the Holy Spirit is there. Amen? So you're right. We have that freedom, Mike. Somebody else, give the Lord one more, one more word of testimony. Who is it going to be? This is your time. That's exactly right. Well, let's get back into it. Let me show you something about John the Baptist. So we can say God is good in the good times, can't we? And when you're on death's door, you, something within you can help you say God is good if you focus where? On him and his word. Let me remind you of that. Focus on him and his word. Because he asked them, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And these men, they were smart enough. They were wise enough. They were drawn by the Holy Spirit. What are you looking for? Now, they came from a business background. They came from a fishing background, right? These boys, if they stayed with their daddies, they would have took over the family business. And they have, Peter has a wife, we know, because his mother-in-law was healed by Jesus later. These are people with families and business. These are real people. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you can just skip over it. And we call them St. Peter and St. John. And we, we have named churches and cathedrals after them. But these are real people, regular real people, who had to make a choice when the Spirit of God spoke to them saying, yes, I'll follow you in the good times and the bad. John the Baptist is going to get arrested here shortly, and he's going to be put in a dungeon inside of a huge, if you will, a castle. He's going to be put down in the dungeon in the darkest spot for about 10 months, and he's going to ask questions. He's going to remember, listen, he'd never forget baptizing Jesus, would he? Could he ever get that out of his mind? He had that spiritual encounter. He would never meeting Jesus, never forget meeting Jesus and baptizing his Savior. Yet when he's in that dungeon, he comes and he asks his disciples, is, ask him for me, is he really the, the Messiah? Because John started to get weary in the bad times. He spends 10 months in this dungeon. And of course, he preached against Herod. And you'll see he has his head cut off. God relieved him of his 
duty and his burden through death. Can you imagine that? Jesus, he lives, he does miracles. We're going to see all these things he does. When we meet Jesus, we say, what a wonderful Savior. But what was his end here on earth? Look behind me, that white piece of wood up there. He died on an old rugged cross, not a nice one like that. He died on an old rugged cross. That was the end. You're saying, well, that didn't sound fair. That doesn't sound right. God had a plan for John the Baptist's life, did he not? And remember John. John's Mr. Outside, got to go from in the wilderness, wearing camel's hair and a belt, right? Eating crickets and honey. And the worst thing you can do to an outdoor man is to do what? Stick him inside in the dark where he can't see. But he had a lot of time to ponder, almost a year to ponder. And then he was put to death because of his preaching. But he said, he must increase. I must decrease to the point that I go away. But he's never forgotten because he was recorded in history. Let's finish our notes quickly. Andrew's first, first faith act after meeting Jesus was to find his brother Simon and introduce him to Jesus. He, Simon, come meet Jesus. Y'all see the sermon title series? Come meet Jesus. I want you to meet Jesus because we have found the Messiah. These boys are not a bunch of ignoramuses. These boys were trained by their fathers and their mothers in school that the Messiah was coming. They knew, because there's a reference to Moses, that tells me they know the Old Testament. Moses was not around during this time. He's been gone off the scene. But somebody told them about what Moses said. Somebody told them about what, what was said about the Messiah. Someone told them about, about what Isaiah said. Someone told them about what Malachi said. Remember, there's been no prophets for over 400 years. Right at 400 years, it's been quiet. So these boys had to know their history. Students, make sure you are in school learning what the teacher's trying to teach you when it comes to your academics. Now, if it's philosophical, cultural stuff, you push against that, right? I believe a Christian student has a right to speak up and speak against anything that's fallacy in the classroom. Parents, you need to teach your children how to stand up against these sorry professors and teachers who want to actually, actually indoctrinate them instead of teach them. Their job is to teach them reading and writing and arithmetic and the other subjects. It's not to indoctrinate them into the way they believe. Y'all have seen the foolishness that's, on, that's happening now and even they've asked, hey, students, start videotaping your teachers so that you can actually put it on the news. Well, how crazy is that? We just need to eliminate those teachers, those people that are actually in a position of authority over our children. Make sure you know what's being taught to your children. That's the whole reason we started Town Creek Christian Academy. That is the reason. We, so we can actually have some type of control. We can still teach them the math and the English and all the subjects you need to, to go to college if that's what you choose to do. But more than that, we want to teach them that God loves them and God has a perfect plan for their life. And they can be successful and they can go out into the world and they can make a difference for Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we teach in our academy. And that's, listen, that, I believe that's why God's blessing us and that's why we're growing. We invested as a church together saying this is important to us. And so many other families that come along and say, it's important to us as well. And, and listen, it's expensive. It's expensive. But Derek has worked with people, and the church has worked with people, so many different ways that we can actually get folks into it. It's an investment, it's what it is. It's an investment to the forever, really. Well, let's finish. What is Andrew's first thing, his first faith act, is to say, Peter or Simon, come meet Jesus. Simon let, uh, Jesus let Simon know who he was. Uh, he knew him. He, Jesus looked, the Bible says, he looked at Simon and gave him a new name. He didn't just look at like, like I'm looking at you and you're looking at me. He looked into his soul and told him, hey, you're the son of John, but I'm going to give you a new name. 
your new name is going to be Peter or Cephas, right? You're going to be the small stone. What do you do? Have you ever had a rock in your shoe? I was cutting grass and then got a rock in my shoe and I thought I could make it to the, I didn't want to cut the lawnmower off, you know, when you let go of the safety bar. So I was like, I just keep wiggling that rock in my shoe till I get to the end. I'm not finished and I want to keep, I want, and y'all after a while, that rock tore me up. I had to stop, cut the lawnmower off, take my shoe off and clean out my shoe and then start back over again. A small stone can have a big effect. Isn't that true? Peter was this wild fisherman, right? This big mouth. And he's going to turn in from a big mouth trash talker to a big mouth preacher, right? And then we call him St. Peter today, years later. So Jesus looked at, he didn't just look at him as a man looks at a man or a woman looks at a woman or vice versa, just face to face or friend to friend. He looked into his heart and he gave him a new name. Now here comes Philip. Philip had a divine appointment with Jesus when he traveled to Galilee. Jesus called Philip as a disciple. This is as easy as it gets. Philip obeyed. He just said yes to Jesus. So when you meet Jesus, you have a choice, don't you? When you hear the preaching of Jesus today that he's your savior, he wants to be your savior, you have a choice. You say, well, no one can reject. I'm a, I'm a reformed Calvinist. No one can reject the Holy Spirit of God. I thought about that a long time. If you ever have a reformed background or Presbyterian background, and the question is, can you reject the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you reject salvation? Well, then I started thinking through things, and I'm like, well, listen, I'm not the brightest star in the sky, okay? But when I read through the Word of God, the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. In order to grieve the Holy Spirit, that means you're having to say no to what he says yes to. This is a Christian. This is somebody who has the Holy Spirit in you. So if I'm a Christian, can I say no to God? The Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It means I can actually say no. God says, go talk to that person. Tell them about Jesus. Nope, not doing it. Pray this prayer. Don't have time. Give that gift. Can't do that right now. My finances are in trouble. If we're disobedient to God, we can say, that's basically saying no to God. So if a Christian can say no to God, can a lost person say no to God? Did anybody in this room, before we close today, say no to God more than one time but when he called you to be saved? Anybody? Who heard the preaching of the word of God over and over and over again before you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. So did your knucklehead pastor. I don't have time for that. I don't want that. I want to do my own life. I want to do my own stuff. I don't, have, I don't want to be like those people. I was that way. Let me finish these notes. Out. Listen, Philip immediately invited Nathaniel to meet Jesus. And by the way, Nathaniel spelt another way. You can spell Nathaniel with the I. And Nathaniel later, if you look at the list of disciples, he's actually called also Bartholomew, okay? Bartholomew. Nathaniel was initially skeptical. And I want to give you these notes. Jesus demonstrated to Nathaniel he was the son of God. Nathaniel confessed and believed Jesus as the son of God and king of Israel. That's what he confessed. And Jesus promised these new disciples greater spiritual experiences as they put their full faith and trust in him. Listen, today, I put in the Romans 10 for you to look, look up. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, right? Where's your heart? Not your bloody muscle. It's that who you are, that special person makes you you. If you believe that Jesus Christ, listen, that God raised him from the dead, and you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, he says, you shall be what? saved. And then he says in verse 13, everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a commitment from God to you and me. So today, listen, if you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved, why not settle it today? Why walk out of these doors? This is the church. This is God's house to come in. Not that he's here when we leave because he's everywhere we are because we carry the Holy Spirit with us. 
but he's here with us today. And his word's very clear. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a, it's a commitment he makes to you. Would you like to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ today? That's the question. You say, well, I already have. Well, then would you like to follow up believers' baptism? Because we're going to be baptizing shortly. You say, I already have. Then are you living for Jesus day by day like he wants you to? There's always room for improvement for all of us. We can increase our prayer life. We can increase our giving of our time, talent, resources. There's a whole lot more for us to do. And listen, what are you looking for? And let me just settle this way. Some people are looking for overtime. Some people are looking for that extra something that I don't have. Uh, some people are looking for that mate that God's never going to send her or send him to me. So I'm just going to pick one. If you're shopping at the dude drop-in, you're probably not going to find the right one, just for the record, okay? Don't go to a bar looking for a mate. He or she's been looking for a long time if they're there, right? And I was in the Navy. The more you drink, the prettier they get. <laughs> Isn't that true? Are y'all laughing? Some of you never had alcohol, but alcohol makes you six foot tall and 350 pounds stronger than anything. It's, it's alcohol dumb is what it's called. Don't go to the bars and don't go to those sketchy places looking for a mate. Ask the Lord, would you send them to me? And the answer is what? In his will, if that's his will, pray, Lord, your will be done. Wait. Wait upon the Lord. That's what we do our whole lives. We wait and then God acts. And then we praise him. Lord, and we tell that we have testimony, don't we? We, we wait. And then we say, God is good. When I was going through it, I was not sure if he was listening to me. But now I'm on the other side. God is good. That's why we should listen to the older folks, as older saints that's been around for a long time. They've been through the woods. They've been through the weeds. And they can tell you that God is good. That's why people going through cancer, heart disease, all those things I listed up here. People going through COVID. Listen, God is good. What are you looking for today? If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything that you won't have need of, right? That you have not, not have you won't of, but have need of, will be added to you. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, Lord, we want to seek you today. Like these two disciples who were so intelligent enough, Lord. These are men who are looking for the Messiah. And they were told you were the Messiah. They heard you speak. They heard John speak. And they believed and followed you. And today we have record of their names in our word, in your word, that we can read. And we can honor those men saying they were followers of Christ. They did what you asked them to do. Thank you, Lord, that we have that record. And I thank you today that we can still, as men, women, boys, and girls, if you draw us to yourself, that, Lord, we can respond and say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you with all of my life. Lord, help us be those men and women, boys and girls, that live for Jesus every single day. Help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord. Let us shine like a city on a hill, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.